After the incident with the mirror, my captors leave me alone for several days. I expect someone to take me to the interrogation room again the next morning, but no such luck. No one comes to fix the mirror or give my hand medical attention. Nothing. Food appears in a slot in the wall twice a day, and the lights turn off and on at fixed points throughout the day. I must have pissed someone off. Coffee isn't included with the meals. When I realize I'm on my own, I locate a small first aid kit in the furnished room. I use the kit to wash out the cuts in my hand and bandage them up carefully. By the third day alone in the cell, I'm using pieces of a sheet as bandaging material. And since no one seems inclined to clean up the broken glass, I appropriate a large piece as a makeshift knife, wrapping cloth around the narrowest part to make it safe to grip. Have you ever been left alone in perfect silence, with nothing to occupy you except your thoughts? The hum of the fluorescent bulbs fills my waking hours as the light torments my eyes. I pace, work out a little, try to keep my blood moving. The room isn't big enough for my usual morning run, and while pacing helps, I find my muscles twitching frequently, aching for the stretch and the burn. I've been in worse situations, but this is still unpleasant. Mostly, I think. The G-man in the interrogation room had a lot of questions about Big Sky. I wonder if he plans to question his way through our entire catalog of work. I shiver a little unconsciously, remembering some of the things we encountered, and shift my mind hastily away from that train of thought. None of my clothes made it to this fancy prison cell, but they, whoever they are, were kind enough to provide several jumpsuits in a drab gray. They fit surprisingly well, which makes me wonder how long they've been planning to capture me. Finally, after the fourth darkness light cycle, I hear the locks on the door open. The security guards who fetch me are different this time, but they wear the same uniform, or lack thereof. They tell me to come with them, and I follow them down the long corridor to a familiar door. I'm pretty sure this is the same interrogation room, but surprise stops me cold in my steps just inside the door. The smell of freshly brewed Colombian coffee fills my senses, making my mouth water as my head pounds with a caffeine deprivation headache. Blinking hard, I force myself to refocus on the man sitting on the other side of the interrogation table. Where's the other guy? What other guy? Good morning, Redacted. Why don't you have a seat? Would you care for a cup of coffee? The new fellow motions to a steaming cup already sitting within reach. Helena, Montana, that town came out kinda unscathed, didn't it? Or should I say Big Sky was a success? Watching the new man warily, I sit across from him, folding my hands on the table. My fingers itch to grab the cup of coffee, but change is never good in these circumstances, and I want to get the lay of the land first. Taken as a whole, yes. There were some casualties, as I'm sure you know, but we were able to contain the unnatural and keep the city safe, overall. He puts down his own mug of coffee and regards you, Agent Rowan, with a smirk. I guess that could be a measured success. My questions will be about Yuma, more specifically about what happened in Mustang, Arizona. I flinch before I can stop myself at the mention of Mustang, looking down at my folded hands. I wondered if we were going to discuss that. I reach out for the cup of coffee. If I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to need the caffeine. 
It started simply enough. Investigating a mass murder, but not all of our cell was dispatched, were they? Being down a member made this particularly challenging. Tell me about your activation. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. It's a lovely day in the state capitol in early June. Perfect California weather. Rowan, you've been checking your dead drop regularly on your way back from the gym. Today, you find an envelope with a brief. Inside the brief, there is a new directive, an operation, Operation Shrimp Farm. Little odd name, but you're certain that there must be a reason for it. In the operation, it's similar to what you had before, an interagency task force visiting the town of Yuma to look into a murder, particularly gruesome murder of a family. The folks that are listed, it looks as though that they're calling for Rooster, a on-loan agent from Q-Cell, and Agent River. So that's what we've got here for us today. Inside the package is the initial brief, and then we also have a brief that continues on more about a cult or something? So it says that in the next day or so, you need to get your collective butts to Yuma, Arizona. Quick glance at your, what is the weather now? It's currently 109 degrees there in Yuma. Oh. And it's already 9 a.m. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly the sound that Rowan makes when she realizes just how fucking hot it is there now. She's very much a Bay Area girl, born and bred. Shit. So it looks as though that they're calling for Rooster and for you to hook up, uh, also Rooster and, and River, and uh, for you to hook up with Quinn. Quinn has also received a brief from QCell, and she will be arriving in Yuma later this afternoon via air. You look at your transportation, it says that it's also commercial air provided as well. If you want to drive, you certainly can, but it's quite a haul. It's a few hours. But you can, if you head, head off now, then you certainly can get there in time. All right. So I've opened the briefing in a private corner of the post office. It's a quiet area, so I'm not worried about someone reading over my shoulder or anything fun like that. I'll look at that and note the commercial air and the fact that we don't have Rory. And I'm just like, well, that makes things more complicated for getting gear there. So the first person that I will call is Rooster, because he's essentially our sales quartermaster, and he'll need to know that there will be, uh, if he's flying, there will be restrictions. On your phone, Rooster, look down, it says glasses. So actually, before I even see that, the ringtone goes off in the typical Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. So I already know it's glasses before I even see it. I look down. I kind of look around the room, this uh, simple but nicely done up apartment, kind of look around, make sure no one else around really within listening distance pick up the phone. Hey, I thought you'd forgotten about me. No, I was pretty convinced that uh, the higher ups had forgotten about me, but we have a new job. Oh, and what beautiful stretch of BFE are we going to this time? Yuma, Arizona. 
<laughs> Desert. I can do that. Yeah, you're gonna have fun with that. I hate everything about this. Oh, I didn't say I like it, but I can do it. That's fair. We don't have Rory with us this time. I guess that he's been... I don't know. But he he wasn't called in on this particular job. So we have a, a lone agent, and we have to take commercial in order to get there if we're flying. Which makes it a little more difficult to get things there. Well, fuck. Because I would really rather not rely on some hunting rifle this time. Right. <sighs> Alright, so I guess I'm renting a white van or something to drive down? If you're willing to endanger a rental, with how we tend to go through vehicles, it's entirely up to you. Well, what do you want me to do instead? Bring my truck? With the way that we tend to go through vehicles? Ugh. <laughs> uh, there's no good answer to that question. <sighs> Shit. I'll figure it out. What's my timeline? Do I have, uh, I'm not exactly near home right now. You need to be there by, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we, we have a little bit more lead time on this one. We need to be there by tomorrow, but, you know, not as much lead time as I would like, necessarily, but we have some time. Okay. How am I packing? The uh, the briefing indicates cult activity, so definitely the more heavy weaponry. <laughs> okay. Yes, I know. I'm speaking your language. Now you're speaking my language. All right. I'll pack up. I'll bring all the things we forgot last time. And um, Yuma, that's what? 10, 11 hours, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Alright, expect me in around midnight, somewhere around there. Gonna have to take some time to get things ready. Alright, do you need me to send anything in your direction, say, flat of energy drinks? <laughs> you know me too well. Uh, have one ready for me when we get there. I'll bring my own flat for the ride. I can do that. Alright, shoot me an address and I'll, uh, I'll take care of the rest. All right, I'll do that. Rooster, when you click off, you remember that Yuma is the home of the Marine Corps Air Station. This city is filled with Marines yeah. and Breckenridge and other PMCs. This is a training ground. There's a bombing range not far from it. It's going to be very similar to uh, things that you've left before. Yeah, he uh, takes that in, thinks about how he's going to be personally packing. Not just the equipment. Puts the phone down on the nightstand, sits up, and goes, Hey, uh, Nicole, I, you know, it's a lot of fun, but I just got a call. I gotta go to work. Who's Nicole? Uh, 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 Natalie, sorry. Uh, Nicole's my sister. I, wrong name popped into my head. <clears throat> but I, I gotta go. It, it's, uh, call me, all right? I don't think so. Okay, sounds good. And I'll um, hop out, pull some pants on, and get out of there. River, you've been trying to get yourself kind of squared after the events that happened in Montana and beyond. You spent some time out in the forest going for hikes as you've got a great, wonderful parks and you know natural resources that you can certainly make use of. Today, you're out with your friend Javier. And you guys have just finished a pretty long day hike. Hiked maybe 20, 30 miles. It was a good, beautiful day. And your phone buzzes. And it normally shows who the message is from, but it actually says redacted in the from area. 
and it looks like it's a strange text. It's maybe written in code. It looks as though that it says dash dash river dash dash y y i i equals black site slash slash closed three o three three one nine four seven slash slash never was tb and then it goes on a little bit more with a few more items there and it is signed l van cleef you've not seen this before and as you're looking at the phone in your hand the phone rings and it is agent rowan quickly before we proceed is this an official fbi task force that that i'm on yes brilliant just wanted, to, just wanted to make sure before I go saying stuff like that. Yes, you have full use of your badge and the authority that comes along with it. Sweet. And the money. <laughs> Hello, Rowan? Did you just text me? No, I tried to call when there's something going on and text is too unreliable. Why? What did you get? You'll have to see it for yourself. It's some kind of code? Can you send me a screenshot? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll look at it when it comes in, like, well, if it's a code, it's not one that I'm familiar with, but I can look at it in more detail later. Or at least not one that I'm immediately familiar with. How's that? Okay, so why did you call? Got a new job. Oh, I was kind of hoping that, you know, they'd kind of forgotten about us. Or maybe we hadn't passed the test. That would be nice. Unfortunately, the unnatural marches on, and so must we. Okay. We need to be in Yuma, Arizona tomorrow. We have a little bit more lead time on this one than we did the last one. Commercial tickets are provided. We can pick them up at the airport. All of the usual commercial problems apply, of course, but you and I are federal agents. We should be able to at least get our handguns on the plane. Yep. Tomorrow, you said. Any particular time? It'll be pretty much when we pick things up at the airport. The tickets are provided at the ticket counter. But sooner rather than later, we need to be there. They've already booked the flight, or...? There are open tickets. I can call and arrange. Oh, good. Because I definitely need a shower. Rooster is going to be driving and bringing the majority of the arsenal. He'll be meeting us there at about midnight. Okay, well, we'll see. I might not be able to... I might be on the first flight in the morning. Who knows? Uh, I'll have to see how fast I can get things together. We're flying. I'm not going to be able to take much of my stuff with me. Yes, I am in much the same boat, though FBI badges go a long way. I wonder, well, we may be able to connect up with Rooster and see about chucking a bag or two into whatever vehicle he has. That would help. I think we should plan to do that. I can make the run between addresses and pick things up. Okay. I'll be in touch once I know uh, how soon I can be ready. All right. Just remember, we need to be there by tomorrow. Tomorrow's not a problem. Today might be. Fair enough. Just let me know. So, River, what are you planning on doing? Well, I'm I'm still heading home, and I'm going to get cleaned up and uh, explain things to uh, my wife. I've got a go bag ready with the stuff I absolutely need. So actually packing isn't going to take any particular time. It's just getting myself ready. Jennifer asks you, where, where, are you, where are you going? Yuma? Yeah, it's... You went to Montana, now you're going to Yuma? Don't they keep you local here? I thought this was a regional job. Well, but, you know, this task force has to cover more ground because there's, you know, I guess there's only one of us on the West Coast. Oh, I guess. 
are you going to be home by the weekend or? Oh, you know how this works. I'll, I'll be home when, when we're when done. When are you to get back? They don't give us any information. It's, you know, as long as it takes. Oh, okay. I mean, all right. Katie's got a thing going on in Palm Springs on this coming up weekend. Are you, do you, do you want me to run her down to the science fair there? Or do you think you'll be back or do, or should I just worry about it? Oh, well, that's, you know, halfway to Yuma. <laughs> um, we'll have to see what happens. I'll, I'll keep you, I'll keep you up to date. Could we meet up? I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Okay. All right. Well, be safe. I hope you're, I hope you'll be okay. But all right. I, I've got to go get some things and she heads off. I'll be careful. And your teenage daughter is in her phone communicating through hieroglyphs and things that you don't necessarily understand. It's a new language, and one day we'll all figure it out somehow. Yeah, and I will text her saying, I've got to be away for a few days. Love you. See you when I get back. She responds back with a picture of her doing an open heart with a hand for you to complete on your own. And and that's kind of it. It's a short conversation, but it's meaningful and profound. Okay, and then I will uh, call Rowan again. No, no, I'll take a shower and then I'll call So you get you get cleaned up. Everybody kind of gathers their things and it seems to be, a, things, things are going smoothly. Yeah, and I will pick up whatever River wants to send with, with Rooster. I'll get a hold of Rooster and tell him, hey, you know, get into things that we need. Like our good body armor uh, is going to be very difficult via commercial airlines, so... I'll I'll meet you somewhere and give you a couple of our bags. Yeah, I'll grab those and comment about how the body armor probably won't get as many raised eyebrows as the sniper rifle. All of it will get raised eyebrows on commercial flights. Yeah, but I'll pack everything up, get personal clothing-type bags on top of the U-Haul pickup that I've picked up, and get everything else inside that I can, and crack open that first energy drink and get on the road. Traffic through California into Southern California is as nightmarish as the worst that you can imagine. Oh, shit. I'm leaving at nine. Oh, no. I'm going to hit the 405 at rush hour. (laughs) I can just imagine Rooster with his arms slung out, moving an inch at a time with his metal music just cranked. At least K-Rock is going to play something decent during the, the afternoon rush. There is that, but at this point, during the afternoon rush, he is full-on one-shotting the energy drink, crushing it on his head, and just squeezing the seat next to him, trying to keep it all in at this point. You've gone through quite a few pods for your vape, more than you expected to. So actually, he's not using the vape anymore. Um, Oh. No, since Brazil, he got the taste for the uh, unfiltered ones. He started discovering the actual taste of tobacco, and so... They get him going a little bit better, too. So the inside of the truck does not smell good. You are not getting that deposit back. Oh, no. He he knew this was official FBI, so sprung for the good insurance. River and Ronan. Rowan, you hop on the plane. TSA gives you no problem at all. You, can't, you almost pretty much get waved through once they see your badge. And you fly to Yuma, Arizona. When the door opens up and you first step off of the plane... It feels as though that you've stuck your face into a preheated oven to 450 degrees. That initial breath that you take isn't there. All you just feel is hot. But the locals say it's a dry heat, and you hear people talking about, oh, it's a dry heat, as you uh, make your way up the gangway. 
I think this is actually worse than Modesto in August. It's hotter, certainly. Ugh, and if I hear it's just a dry heat one more time... I know, that's what we're supposed to tell the people back east. Right? You've arrived at about 6 p.m. on June 6th, and um, we're expecting Rooster to arrive around midnight, and you're supposed to meet up with Agent Quinn somewhere here in the airport. You're not sure who that is. Agent Quinn, you arrived at about 4 o'clock. You were told that the new company that you'd be working with, the, the new cell, our cell, would be arriving at about 6 p.m. And you would be looking for someone with reddish-pink glasses. And uh, to approach them and utilize in some part of your conversation the term Delta Green. And supposedly, that would allow you to gain their confidence. And if they don't respond back in kind, then you should make haste and exit quickly. As you're, you're watching some of the passengers, as they work their way from the gates, you see a woman walking past with red glasses in a suit. And then you also see a larger fellow with a good-sized bushy beard. He's also wearing red glasses, but he's got a Milwaukee Brewers baseball cap on and a Budweiser t-shirt. As it approached six, she got ready near the exit. She's been kind of leaning against, you know, one of those kind of large columns that you get in baggage claim. Just casually, she's kind of playing on her phone and casually looking up. And she catches the sight of Rowan with her red glasses and chuckles to herself because there was no need for them to give her the clue of red glasses when she sees someone in a suit who's clearly FBI. (laughs) So she kind of, uh, she rubs her head and casually um, kind of saunters over to Rowan. Uh, uh, Ma'am, could you help me find, um, I'm taking Delta, uh, they said a green area? I'll look at her and say, Yes, we'll actually be taking the same Delta flight out of the green area. If you want to come over there with us. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. It's Quinn. Quinn. Rowan. Pleasure to meet you. She gives a nod. We need to grab our luggage. The amount of people that are going through Yuma, it's not packed. The airport itself is pretty clear. So we all know what Agent Rowan looks like, dressed in a suit. What does Agent River look like? Oh, Agent River. He's about 5'9", pretty wiry build, maybe 145 pounds, brown hair and eyes, and uh, his hair is a little bit too long for a government agent, but it's close. Not really anything distinctive about him besides that. He's he's kind of wearing hiking boots and cargo pants and, and a uh, button shirt. Agent Quinn, what, does, what do they uh, see when uh, they first encounter you? You know, besides you leaning against the post. Yeah, Quinn, you can tell she's about 5'7", lean, but um, you can tell by the way she carries herself that she's quite fit. She's dressed pretty casually and appropriate for hell heat. (laughs) She's in a kind of olive-colored linen pants, a simple just light white t-shirt, kind of white sneakers. Uh, She's tan and has dark kind of black hair but it's buzz, I mean, kind of peach fuzz level. And she keeps kind of rubbing her head. So maybe you can tell that maybe this isn't, this is a pretty new haircut for her. And then at the base of her neck, you see a tattoo of a dove. I will note that since the last time we saw Agent Rowan, she's gotten a haircut. It's no longer long enough to be up in a bun. It's cut around her her jaw and her ears. So Agent Quinn, as you start going down the escalator with these folks, your phone vibrates and you get a succession of three or four messages. They're all from Sheila. 
she quickly looks down, but doesn't open her phone to actually read the text messages. And in fact, she uh, uses that as a good cue to just turn that phone all the way off. I'll glance over hearing the text buzz, but don't comment on it. So you guys gather your things. There is reservation for transportation. So you just need to go obtain that through the, the usual company. Yes. And I will go and take care of that and pick up the vehicle that has been rented for us. It's a Chevy Tahoe, which is a larger size uh, SUV. And as you guys get outside, the air conditioning shuts off because there is no air conditioning outside in the desert. As far as the eye could see, it's flat. You do see that there is a bit of a city, smallish city, no tall buildings. There is a heavy marine presence here, heavy military presence in general. And the heat is overbearing. You look up and it's six o'clock at night. It says 115 degrees on the, uh, the thermometer that shows the arrival and departure times. Welcome to Arizona. Welcome to hell. Yeah, and upon exiting, because it would still be a little bit light, the sun would have set by then, Agent Quinn pulls out, uh, she has some Persol aviator sunglasses and just kind of puts those on. Yeah, and as as Rowan steps out into the, the daylight, her transition lenses transition to the darker pink sunglasses. So this is the first time that you're meeting. You do have the briefing and the mission, the mission determination there. How did you want to go about? Did you want to hold on to that information until you set up some kind of uh, lodging or housing? Or how do you want to set this up? So I think the probably the best thing is to not have a whole lot of Delta Green conversation out where normies can hear us. So I'm waiting until we're in the vehicle with the air conditioner cranked, of course, <laughs> and then start looking for places that are in the usual FBI budget range. Hotel would be preferable, so I so we can go outside as little as possible, but motel is acceptable. There is a mid-range Marriott-style, Hilton-style airport hotel here Okay. that you can get set up. And, you know, if you so chose, they would be able to get you set up. How many rooms are you going to get? Uh, four. Four rooms? Okay. Rowan likes her privacy. Yeah, so as soon as I get the, the reservations for the hotel set up, I'm just doing the logistic stuff. I've turned the driving over to, to River. When we know where we're going, I, I'll, I'll give him the address and be like, all right, we're going there. And I'll text Rooster to give him the address as well. And then I'll look at Quinn and be like, well, welcome to our cell. Thanks. This is a, a little farther from home than I uh, am usually called to. Where is Q cell located? Or are you allowed to say? Actually, honestly, don't know where the entire cell is. All I can say is I hail from D.C. Wow. D.C. itself. My goodness. I've been there a few times, but usually on task forces. Yeah. Not quite as hot, but uh, infinitely more humid. So I'll take some dry heat for a change. I'm sure it's a hotbed for the unnatural there. Yeah. So I've seen. uh, Usually I'm not on site. I'm kind of brought into uh, HQ a little later on in the process. So what sort of work do you do? I'm a therapist. <laughs> kind of scare people off when I say that usually. Don't worry, I won't be analyzing you the whole time. <laughs> Just most of the time. No, I'm teasing. She, she gives a little smirk. <laughs> I don't know. It would be, might be refreshing to have a therapist who you can actually be honest with. Well, I charge by the hour. <laughs> I'm on expensive. Duly noted. So the fourth member of our party, uh, Rooster, will be joining us at about midnight. He's driving in from the Bay Area. Well... Northern California. Bay Area is just easier to say. At this point, you get a text that says, I hate traffic, periods between each word, and then ETA 4 a.m. Quint, hearing where the fourth member is coming from, she kind of raises eyebrow. Afraid of flying? 
getting equipment on uh, commercial flights is a lot more difficult, and he's our quartermaster of sorts. Ah. He shoots things. And repairs things. And she kind of nods her head. Uh, She's also not quite used to having to be on so many assignments with heavy artillery, so that hasn't been an issue for her in the past. But she quickly understands. Yeah, the last uh, the last job that that we did as ourselves was um, yeah, the, the heavier equipment was useful. I have a feeling there's a story there. Several. I'll tell you about it sometime. But for now, we should go and get settled into the hotel and try to get the lay of the land. I don't know. Are we allowed to tell other cells the actual truth? I don't have a fi- official direction on that, so I'm going to go with yes. Why not? We're all in the same line of business. No need to lie this time. Sounds like a story best over a few drinks. Several. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll head to the hotel and get checked in, settled in. I imagine I have another two bedroom and one of the beds gets shoved aside because Rowan's room is the unofficial conference room. Yep. And I have located the nearest Starbucks. There's one actually downstairs. Excellent. <laughs> I'm now taking bets on how long it takes to memorize her order. A day and a half, maybe. <laughs> you get your coffee, you guys get settled in, drop your things, and uh, meet up with uh, Rowan back in her room. Rowan's got a couple things laid out. It looks as though that the mission brief was included, as well as a few photos that were also included within the mission brief. They're photos of the surrounding area. In the situation report, it said that a local cleaning company discovered a murder scene inside a family home in Yuma, Arizona. Six bodies were located, three women, two men, and an infant were ritualistically murdered. The site had been contaminated by wandering coyotes, and the bodies were mutilated. Lips, eyelids, and ears of the victims had been removed. Strange striated marks carved into the limbs post-mortem, and there was something carved into the wall, and that's what kind of prompted Delta Green to get involved. It says, Home, Dagon, home, home, Yanthale, sea to the sea. And you're provided with satellite pictures of the area. You've got a satellite picture of the home, as well as the small town that the home is just outside of, as well as uh, some information concerning Dagon and Yanthale, if that's how you pronounce it. Not entirely sure that the human tongue can pronounce the right words there. And can I confirm, was everyone sent that ahead of time, or only Rowan had that? Rowan received that. You also received a portion of it. You didn't get all of the satellite photos, but you did get the mission brief itself, and then also the brief about the Cult of Dagon. Right. Were there pictures of the victims in there? No. All right. Quinn, it it says in my briefing that you have experience with cults and cult-like organizations. Is this something that, is this like anything that you've seen before? I mean, I've... That's my line of work, cults. Uh, I think this scene is a bit uh, extreme. Even for me, it was a bit hard to swallow reading about the uh, the infant. And you can see she's um, she's a little uncomfortable thinking about you know the murdered infant, but she keeps herself together. I mean, she's professional. I uh, did receive some additional information about the Church of Dagon, the what's known as the Esoteric Order of Dagon. Some type of religious organization dating back to the 1800s. Like many cults, ritualistic, horrible practices. I I didn't realize they had an active location here in Yuma, though. I haven't come across them. I mean, I've briefly heard of them, but I haven't done any work with them. Well, okay, but a cult is just people. 
The cult by itself is not unnatural. What would be the tie to the unnatural? That simple. And as Rowan is rereading everything, you can see her getting a little bit more uneasy, uncomfortable, shift not not shifty, but definitely like the the correct word for it would be stimming. She's like playing with a chain under her shirt, just not really able to sit still. Um, I have some familiarity with that particular symbol. What sort of familiarity? So, everyone who comes into Delta Green has an experience with the unnatural. Mine was connected to that symbol. Huh. You know, I thought I, 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 thought I was doing alright. Great. This is gonna be fun. So, there's something to this Dagon, then. Or at least they believe that, that there is. The, um... I think I'm going to want to wait to tell my particular story until Rooster's here, because this is not a story I want to tell more than once. But short version is that um, Delta Green, the, the, la- the last time that I saw this symbol, Delta Green was involved. So at the very least, Delta Green believes that this has to do with the unnatural. Quinn has been, she kind of saw how starting to talk about this affected Rowan pretty easily. She's a little surprised. Um, you know, her first impression of Rowan was someone a bit reserved in emotion. And so to see this kind of affect her so suddenly, um, she's just being observant. Sure. But with kind of a con- the kind nod that you get in the therapist's office. Yeah, and Rowan is very familiar with that particular nod. So she just sort of like rolls, rolls her shoulders back, visibly puts herself back together and is like, well, we should probably grab some dinner. Yeah, and... uh When's Rooster going to get here? No, he says 4 a.m. now. So I'm going to leave a key for him down at the desk so that he can get into his room and collapse. Yeah, yeah, that's about his normal bedtime, right? <laughs> Depends, I imagine, on whether or not he's playing Call of Duty. And whether he bothers to go to bed. Well, fair. Well, there's a restaurant downstairs near near the Starbucks. Yep. I would suggest we do some planning this evening and, and get a good night's sleep if we can. Yeah. What time is it about right now, do you think? It's about 7 or 8 o'clock, just a little past normal dinner time. The sun has more or less finished its descent, but we're coming up on the uh, solstice, so that's going to be, a you know. Uh, as Rowan kind of suggests dinner, uh, Quinn just says, I got to check in with someone first, but I'll try to meet you guys down there. And she's going to head to her room and kind of get back there, rinse her face a little bit because, uh, you know, she feels the dried sweat on her. Uh, she'll turn her phone back on. There are probably 20 text messages by now. But she opens up the text app, ignores those, and, and actually texts someone else just saying, you still awake? Respond back. Yeah, kind of. So she'll quickly call Kanika, her sister. Her voice is a, is a little little bit weak. Ugh. Sorry to call so late. It's okay. It's been a rough day. Yeah, I just wanted to check in to see how you're feeling. They had to move the port. It hurts. It's not... It's. I'm not... Uh, why? But that's okay. No, no. We're not going to worry about it. Well, you know I'm going to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so why are you up so late? Well... <laughs> why are you calling? Why is it so quiet? Shouldn't you be out? Last minute plans. I'm uh, actually in Arizona right now. I'll tell you about it later. I'm surprised Sheila didn't text you, actually. She did. 
I have about 30, 30 messages and I sent her that, that no, you're not here. So I was kind of hoping that you're, that you're okay, but I figured you were fine. But Arizona, oh, well, going scorched earth and trying to go, go play on the other side of the, uh, the coast. I wish it was play. It was This is work. Oh, all right. Well, oh, no. Why? No. Why are you working on that stuff now? Why is it so far away? I'm kind of surprised, too. Listen, I, I might not be able to check in as often over the next, uh, well, I don't know, week, hopefully. No more than that. But um, give kisses to Sammy for me and make sure you take care of yourself, okay? Will do. Sammy's, Sammy's doing okay. She, she's, she's got a new idea on what she wants to go to school for, so. Oh. Yep. So decisive. Oh, yeah. But that's how it goes. I remember when we were like that, but times change. No, times don't change. <laughs> Okay, well, you should get rest. Uh, all right. Uh, you be okay. You, I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be okay. Okay. You be okay, too. Good night. Love you. Quinn will hang up the phone, and she dares to open her text messages from Sheila and uh, is a bit overwhelmed by the profanity, and so she kind of quickly closes that and uh, turns off her phone again. She kind of considers whether or not to go down to dinner. For someone who talks a lot for her day job, she hates small talk, but uh, she remembered River mentioned planning. She doesn't want to miss out on that, so she kind of begrudgingly decides to, to go down and meet them. Quinn joins you guys as you guys get some food and while you're down here. It's Southwest Fair, so everything has some kind of spice in it, whether you like it or not. Even the mild stuff might be a little bit spicy on your palate. So are you guys going to go over the, the planning or uh, give a discussion as you guys see Quinn walking into the, the restaurant? Not a dinner. <laughs> okay. Wave her over. Well, I think we should do at least some preliminary, like what do we want to do first thing in the morning so we can have our evening? Do we have a contact with the police? We should uh, probably let them know we're here, get their reports. Exactly. And I mean, it's courtesy to check in with the local police force when the FBI comes into town. So yes, I think that checking in with the local police force first and getting their reports and their read on what's going on, see if the see if the crime scene has been cleaned. Because if it's not, I kind of want to go have a look. Yeah, not sure what, what we would find that they wouldn't have seen already. Well, we'll be looking at it with more knowledge of what's actually going on. So maybe there's some stuff that we'll pick up. Yeah, right. Yes, of course we will. <laughs> Whether we want to or not. Quinn is actually a little quiet, kind of thinking. She honestly isn't forced to go on crime scenes that often. Again, she's used to coming in a little later to provide insights rather than being on the scene. So she's uh, trying to just get prepared for what she might see, especially when Rowan mentions that it might not be cleaned up. Yeah. So Rowan, are you going to reach out to the uh, Yuma PD right now or are you going to wait until morning? Uh, I'll wait until the morning when it's more likely that the chief will actually be in so we can speak with him directly. All right. So, go ahead. Well, I think I remembered uh, in, well, our brief that there was a Sergeant Sodi who might be a good contact for us, too. That is with the Marine Corps on the air station. Well, maybe we should uh, let Rooster handle that. Whew. That's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, you, we'll show them that we're official, but, you know, Rooster would speak his language. Screen wipe over to Rooster. You've gotten out of L.A., and you've, you put the pedal all the way down to the floor. It gets to 75, and it just bounces because there's a regulator on this rental. Doesn't go faster than 75. I start swearing in Arabic because the English ones are too mundane for this. 
and I just, and I do the whole, like, hitting my head against the steering wheel. This is a level of hell for Rooster. (laughs) And I just, I just start muttering, it's not your truck, it's not your truck. When it gets blown up, you still have yours at home. This one's meant to get blown up. You see the time start to tick and you notice the hours and the minutes just move extremely slow for you, but you know that you're making good time as best you can. Traffic opens up, you get to an area where you see that it's just vast desert and flatland before you get to Yuma. Oh, the drive. I know that part well. There's a radio station literally called The Drive, which I've only ever heard at two in the morning. And honestly, it was pretty decent if I recall. As you're driving, you feel yourself getting warm, and then you realize that the air conditioner is only pushing heat. All right. I turn on the 460 AC, or in this case, the 260 AC, because two windows down, 60 miles an hour, in this case, however fast this fucking thing goes, and manage to get into that sort of weird zen drive thing where I just crank the music up, and just kind of everything disappears and you're just sort of watching nothing as you're driving. The song on the radio is Black Sunshine by White Zombie. And before you know it, you see the lights for Yuma. You see actually, it causes you to perk up is you actually see a military helicopter cross the line of the highway. And then you look down, you made good time. It's not 4 a.m., it's two. I pull out my phone, talk to it and say, text glasses just hit Yuma. I hate this. You arrive in the hotel. Things are great. They give you your key. Your room is nice. It's on the inside, not the outside this time. What are you going to do with all the gear in the back of the truck? The things we really don't want walking away have gone inside the cab with stuff over it, like blankets and jackets and things. But after they get the key, I'm going to text up and be like, hey, come get your shit. It's 3 a.m. Yep. (laughs) Yep. You don't care. And your point is? Does Rowan and River, do either of you wake up from the text? When I'm on mission, my phone is on. When I have an agent who isn't there yet, I make sure that my line of contact is open. So I wake up and groggily shove my feet into shoes and come out, sweatpants and a tank top, which is what I wear to bed, fumbling my glasses onto my face as as I stumble out into the hall. Yeah, I would have the phone on in case of emergency, I guess. You see Rooster, he's standing, leaning on the truck, smoking. Six-foot, blonde crew cut that looks neatly recently trimmed. White sleeveless undershirt, sweat-stained. Double-fisting it so he's chugging an energy drink in one hand and smoking in the other. And he goes, next time, shoot me first. Next time I'll just have you drive my car out, how's that? I look down at the U-Haul and go... Yeah, there's things about this one that might come in handy in the future, knowing us. (laughs) Fair. Where did you put my stuff? Kind of nod over my shoulder towards the back. Cool, thank you. And I would have... Don't lift the... don't lift the tarps. I know better than that. Uh, and And I would have at some point before going to bed located the local... Is there a Walmart in Yuma? Three. Yes. Of course there is. And of course, Ben knows that. <laughs> guess you started Googling Yuma earlier. I don't have to guess. I know. That's why I don't bother, because I know you'll do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but before going to bed, I would have located the closest Walmart and gotten a flat of energy drinks. And I'll just be like, there's a couple of your energy drinks in my fridge. Oh, good. You're learning. 
I just put the enter the flat on top of the empty flat in the passenger seat. So yeah, I'll grab my bag, sling it over my shoulder, trudge back up, drop it, drop it on the floor near my bed, take my glasses off, face plant, asleep almost before my head hits the pillow. And Rooster just sort of goes, oh, hi to you too, after she's gone. I guess I'm meeting this Quinn person in the morning. Great. Text up. Were you going to tell me where and when I'm meeting you? You get nothing. Rowan's out. I text again. I'll have your coffee ready. <laughs> this time the buzz next to her head wakes her up just enough to pry an eye open and squint at the screen. Text back her room number. 9 a.m. Coffee. I look at it and go, hmm. Used to be a lot happier when I got a girl's room number. Put the phone away. Head up to my place. The air conditioning pushes these rooms so cold that you almost sleep to a point of hibernation. It's almost too cold at some points. But you're hesitant to turn down the air conditioning because the opposite or uh, what could happen is, is it kind of frightens you because it is so hot. Next morning rolls around. It's a beautiful desert morning. You look outside the windows. You see mountains. They're brown. You see desert. It's brown. You see cacti. They're not brown. They're green. But there's a lot of brown going on here. Right now, actually, some of the cactus are flowering. It, it is kind of pretty. Off in the distance, though, you do see uh, just nothingness. The nothingness of the desert. And it goes on as far as you can see until it hits the mountains in the uh, southeastern portion of the area. Good morning, people. What are we doing first thing in the morning? Are we doing anything special or just meeting up? So Quinn actually set her alarm for 5.30, which for her actually didn't feel that early because she is coming from D.C., but she got up, uh, got ready, and by 6 a.m., which is right around sunrise, that time of year, uh, she just goes out for a morning run, which is still warmer than she's used to for her morning run, but uh, not too warm where she uh, is dying. Right. Yeah, it's mid-80s as on the run, but there's no humidity. And like I said, it's dry heat. The running isn't so bad. You're not the only one out running. You actually see a lot of folks out running at this time. A lot of folks that definitely give off the aura of being military. Running along the street, you see a, a platoon. They're all wearing reflective belts as they're doing their, their early morning PT as well. And she kind of, uh, she notes that. She honestly hadn't done too much research on Yuma. That You know, this had been last minute and didn't realize how much of a military town it was until she arrived. But yeah, she'll do about an hour run, get back to her hotel room, shower, and kind of get ready, dressed pretty similarly as the day before, just knowing uh, we're going to be getting into triple digits soon. Yeah, Rowan actually went out for a run probably a half hour after Quinn did, so I don't think they would have seen each other, but she's... Rowan is, is much more of an early morning person, as, which is why 2 a.m. sucks to be woken up. <laughs> but yeah, she, she, she goes out and runs, also sees the military people, and is like, hmm, interesting. Gets her coffee on the way back up to her room, showers, dresses in the FBI uniform again, swearing at every circumstance that forces her to be in a button-down shirt and a blazer and a tie when it's going to be in triple digits. Yeah, River would be up around six and not go out running because he just got his exercise over the weekend. <laughs> He'll get out, get a light breakfast, a very large iced coffee. And then he's going to hit Google and start doing research. Okay. What is he going to research? I mean, he's going to start looking for Dagon and Yanthley and uh, Lee Van Cleef. Okay. So Lee Van Cleef is a, he's an actor. 
he primarily was an actor in country western films. He's long since passed. And Quinn, I think, similarly wants to try to do a little bit of light research. Uh, she realized she never coordinated with Rowan and River about meeting up the next morning. And she's going to just trust that Rowan's either going to call her room or just, you know, because we also didn't exchange any contact information. Well, but you all know which room Rowan is in. You probably know all the rooms, right? Because you made oh, the yeah. reservations. Yeah. They're all in a row. Okay. Yeah. Quinn figures she'll be summoned when we're ready to kind of meet up for the day. So she is going to, uh, she has access to some academic journals, though she doesn't really believe there's going to, she's going to have much luck uh, because not as much academic is dedicated to cults of this nature. So she also will email her kind of former mentor and just see if she has ever heard of the esoteric order of Dagon. Okay. Uh, and your mentor is not part of Delta Green, correct? Right. So she won't give her much details uh, beyond that. She will have made sure that this organization name has is at least publicly known. Uh, maybe she was able to find some articles before disclosing that name. I mean, I assume at least it's that name has been around, but maybe the details are not public. Well, let, let's do it this way. Give me an anthropology or an occult role. Seth, go ahead and do the same. Laura, the same. I got an 85. 85. Awesome. That is not a success. Yeah, not a success either. I got a 56. Ooh, so close. I know. Rever, you're not able to find anything about this Dagon thing other than what you found that kind of duplicates the information that you received in the brief. You might be misspelling it. Something's going on there. And Quinn, one thing that it does pop up that strikes you a little bit is that the name actually appears in the, the Christian Bible. It talks about the pillars in the Temple of Dagon and Samson and Delilah. Okay. So Dagon goes back even further than the 1800s, but the esoteric order, you find nothing. It seems as though that there is a void where okay. the information should be. Okay, so with that in mind, um, knowing that there's not mention of the order, but at least that the word Dagon appears in the Bible, um, you know, a lot of cults are there are a lot of christianity cults so she will email her mentor just asking about the word dagon she'll kind of quote the passage from the bible that she found and just ask her if she had an experience with any cults that had to do with that passage since it's old testament also appears in the hebrew bible as well not just the christian bible got it they don't get back to you right away right and she wouldn't expect her to she would also want to, in her brief, she has mention of a Captain Obed Marsh, and so she would want to also Google that person. Let's see how we could find information on Captain Marsh. Go ahead and give me a history check. Oh, my history's not that great. Oh my god, just made it. 29, I just made it. All nice! Right. So Captain Obed Marsh was a fishing boat captain in the early 1800s in Massachusetts in the town of Innsmouth. Uh, she frowns a little because that doesn't really give her that much more information than she already had in, in the, the, that extra brief that was sent to her. And she's actually kind of frustrated that she hasn't been able to turn up much from her research. Understandable. Yeah, it's almost as though that you know that there should be more out there, but you're quite lucky that you found Obed Marsh's info from Massachusetts. You don't see anything about when he died, just that he was a fishing boat captain. 
And at least that part, she makes a note of because she realizes there was some information that maybe she, did, uh, she didn't mention to the other agents last night that she'll bring up when they meet again today. I'll reach out to Quinn at about 8.45 to basically give her the 15-minute warning that we're planning to meet up at about 9. Got it. Rooster doesn't go for a run. In spite of getting in super late, he's up around 6 also. Finds the hotel gym to work out a bit, shower, and knocks on the door on Rowan's door at 8.59 with her usual coffee order. Actually kicks it because he's holding his own coffee in the other hand. All right, I'll go and open the door. I know who that is. Based on the kick, I have a pretty good idea of who that is, so I'll open the door. There's already one empty star- two empty Starbucks cups in the hotel trash bin. <laughs> one from last night and one this morning. Do I see those? River and Quinn, you guys both come out of your respective rooms as you see this fellow with delivering coffee into uh, Agent Rowan's room. Uh, River, you see, you've, you see Rooster again this morning. And yes, I'm sure you see the coffee cups. I'm going to look at the coffee cups, look up at her and go, what, taken after me already? I'm always a bit of a coffee fiend. Also, hi, Rooster. I'm sorry I didn't say hi, hi last night. Mm-hmm. I was half asleep. Missed you too. You were half asleep. I've been in the car for 12 hours, but... Yes, you were wired. What am I not? Anyway. Yeah, so fair enough. Who's this Quinn we're gonna meet? Ugh. Rooster, did you get any sleep? I do sleep. Just... No, I do sleep. I... So I'm... confident. I look over, see Quinn, and go, Hmm. So, you the new medic, or what? Psychologist, actually. Yeah, this is Dr. Quinn. Wait. You don't look like Jane Seymour. Quinn suppresses an eye roll. (laughs) Maybe not as successfully as she would like to. If this was another system, I'd have you roll, but that's okay. (laughs) So you're not the medic, but you're our medicine woman. Oh, God damn it. I look look at Rowan. Oh, you knew I was going to go there. Don't even pretend. Yes. And I'm going to ask that you don't do that again because I don't need her trying to murder you. So psychologist... Yeah, still a doctor, just not that type of doctor. All right. So I guess my question is, why did they send us a psychologist instead of a actual medic? No offense, but knowing us, it's a legitimate question. Rowan absently rubs a scar in her side. Doesn't seem to realize she's doing it. Well, I hope you've read the brief. We're looking at cults and that's my specialty. The brief I got was glasses over there telling me to drive shit down. Quinn kind of looks to Rowan, raises her eyebrows, and just kind of thinks herself, oh, interesting. Hey, I'm sure she's at least as good at first aid as I am. I'm going to look over at River and just kind of go, as long as she's a better shot. <sighs> All right. Quinn has been watching this entire from the time she entered the room. She's been very observant once again of all the interactions between the three of them and just kind of making mental notes. You do notice that Rooster's coffee is a the Trenta black hot is now about half empty and it was full when he walked in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm going to sit down in the desk chair and be like, well, let's go over the briefing. And I'll go through the the briefing that we mentioned earlier for Rooster's sake, and then just kind of pause at the end and look at Rooster and go, this is going to touch on my Afghanistan. All right, how 
much is this going to touch, and what are the implications? I'm not sure yet. Um, I feel I should probably actually tell all of you what happened, since it may... I have... No, you you don't have to go into it. We get it. No, I don't know what my triggers are at this point. I have not been around a cult since everything happened, with the exception of giving a victim statement at a trial a few months ago. So I feel like it's important for the safety of the mission that you know what happened. This is not something I particularly like bringing up, which is why I waited until you got here, so I would only have to tell this story once. Rooster puts the coffee down and leans against the wall, just very still and watchful. And Rowan absently pulls a medallion on a chain out of her shirt and is playing with it, like running it between her fingers. Too quick to really see what it is, but it looks kind of like a a Catholic uh, medallion. Uh, A saint medallion, maybe. I was an Alameda County deputy sheriff before I joined the FBI. And in that capacity, I was on patrol fairly frequently. On an evening in September 2016, while I was going about my regular duties, um, I got kidnapped. Snatched off the street, hypodermic needle shoved in my arm, went unconscious. Woke up, I don't know how long afterwards, in a cave with bars over the mouth. And uh, the place stank of the ocean. I found out later that it was up in Timber Cove. And I was there for a month and a half. I was found actually shortly after the presidential election, funnily enough. I never knew the name of the actual cult. I just found that out yesterday, actually. But I remember that symbol. It was everywhere, and the people that I saw who were members of the cult wore it. That's actually why I wear the glasses. Fun fact, I have perfect vision, usually. I'll actually take the glasses off, and just like immediately, as soon as 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 the glasses come off in regular lighting, her eyes start watering. But anyone who's observant will see that her pupils are enormous, like they're permanently dilated. It's uh, part of why I can see as well as I can in very dim lighting and immediately put them back on. I was rescued in a Delta Green operation that found the cult headquarters there. We've been working uh, as a group under the assumption that we're one of the only active cells for our cell, but I know that there's at least I cell because one of the people who rescued me was part of it. And I joined the FBI a few months later. After a prolonged silence, you know, Quinn wanted to make sure Rowan was finished with her story. She'll kind of slowly nod and said, I'm sure that was hard to live through again, but thank you for sharing your story. And I mean, for the most part, I have, I mean, I've been going through therapy. I see, I I have a therapist. I see her regularly. I can't tell her about all of the unnatural stuff, but I can talk about a lot of it. So for the most part, I've got reasonably good control over it. I just haven't had that tested, and I suspect this is going to be a test. So what do you need from us when it comes down to it? I suppose it depends on what the it is. Do you need to be there or be away from it? Quinn will jump in. She'll say, it's okay for you not to have that answer right now. <sighs> Jeez, she it, she definitely is a shrink. Reminds me of VA. I, well, and I don't, I don't know what the answer is yet. I'm going to have to play that by ear. So I guess what I need is Grace. Who's she? 
And how old is she? Too old for you. Eh. I am going to continue to lead to the very best of my abilities. You know me. You know... Well, I guess you don't yet, Quinn, but we've been through hell together, the three of us. And I'm going to do my damnedest to not let this compromise me. But if I, if I need to step away, I will let you know. I don't know my triggers, but I do know when anxiety starts pushing. <laughs> All right. So it's our first stop. Well, there's one more thing that we should be aware of. I don't know that this is about this same case, but the timing suggests it is. I got a strange text message, like a minute before Rowan called me on about this. And it's, it says it's from Redacted, whatever that means. And it comes across like a bunch of military code word stuff. A bunch of numbers and obscure words. It talks about a black site and captives. And some of these numbers look like they might be dates. If they are, they're pretty old, like 1929 and 1947. There's nothing that says that it's related to this case or a cult or anything. There's nothing that says what it means at all. But the timing is odd. Yeah. And it's from somebody who calls himself L. Van Cleef. I don't know if any of you are like old westerns, but Lee Van Cleef was a star in old westerns. You might have heard of him from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Would you perhaps describe the sorts of characters that he plays as cowboys? I'm sure some of them were. I mean, in in his best-known role, he was pretty much a hitman. Wait, out of character? For someone who knows, does he play cowboys a lot? He does. Okay, so Quinn will jump in and uh, just say... Yes, actually, um, my stepfather. We watched a lot of those movies growing up. All right. Well, I think our first step in the investigation, at least today, is to check in with the Yuma PD and perhaps check in with the Marine base, because it looks like our friend Blay is a sergeant in the Marine base. Really? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to need to visit them and the Yuma PD, start getting the official reports, start getting the lay of the land, maybe have a look at the crime scene. This is an investigation, so we start with getting as much information as we can get. All right, give me some time to get ready and we can uh, take whichever car you want. And before people, she she sees people are starting to kind of wrestle and uh, Quinn pipes up. Oh, I, before, there was one thing I, I kind of forgot I had read in the brief. More information about this uh, Order of Dagon. Less of an answer, more of a question, I suppose. Their belief structure is based on evolution through life in the oceans and seas instead of land. So the question is, what are we doing in the middle of the desert? I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 2 is based on the scenario Ex Oblivioni by Dennis Detweiler. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. 
Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, and Jonathan Powell. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe. <laughs>